So, but we're God's people, and God's still winning. God is winning. God will win. God will get the final word. God will always have the final word in everything. And uh, so we are victorious in Christ. Amen? Amen. And that's what we are. So that's what we celebrate when we come here. We celebrate Jesus. We are, we are together in this room this morning celebrating and, and, and worshiping and, and, and just our victory that we have in Christ. That, that, that's what God has done for us. So, but Antoine mentioned this when he came up earlier. You know, really the world is on edge right now. If you, if you read the news, you look at all the different events that are happening around the world today. We're, the world is literally on edge right now. And the Bible says in Hebrews, it says, At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. I'm here to tell you God is shaking some things up in our world today. Pretty much every institution that man depends on is being shaken. And we look at it from the financial, the, the financial institutions with the, with the uncertainty with interest rates. People are, are, are nervous and they're anxious about interest rates. Maybe you've got a floating rate on your mortgage or your, your interest rate on your credit card or whatever. There's a lot of uncertainty with, with the financial realm with interest rates. Inflation. I mean, I, I, my daughter-in-law was, was telling me just the, the groceries and the gas alone is putting a tremendous hit on their monthly budget. J just those two things alone. Housing, you know, housing is extremely expensive. Uh, to purchase a home is expensive. To rent, to, to go rent a place, to rent an apartment, those things are expensive. You have gas, groceries, all those different things. Then we have the, all the uncertainties in government that are happening all around our world today. Russia has invaded Ukraine. Um, I believe China is, a, is an ally with Russia. We don't know what is going on behind the scenes, but there's a lot of uncertainty that is happening. Um, there, there's no, we, we could put no confidence and no faith in NATO and UN, the, the, those who, who supposedly are going to keep everything in order. There's no faith in those. Um, the political arena is, is a mess, and, and the judicial system is a mess. There's, there's no justice anymore in our land. So um, we can look as a church and as Christians, we can look at the things that are happening in our world today and we can get as the world gets, we can be like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I can't take this anymore. But as a Christian, that's not how I am caused to react and to look at the things that are happening around us. So what is it that God is speaking to his church during this time? What is God saying to his church? And, the, you know, this message came to me as I was contemplating all the things that are occurring in our world today and then I compared it to who our God is. There was these issues and these things in our world, they are big, but guess what? My God's bigger. God, God is bigger than those things. And the Bible says, as a believer, I am in the world, but I am not of the world. In other words, I am in the world because this is the only place that we can live. But I am not of the world. In other words, I don't act or live according to the way the world does. So that is us as believers. If you call yourself a believer, that's you. You were in the world, but you were not like the world. You were, not, you were not of the world. So God, I believe, is asking his church, us as Christians, is he enough? Is God enough for us? No matter what is happening in the world today or what is yet to happen, because I believe, unfortunately, it's probably going to get worse. I don't think it's going to get much better. And God is asking us as believers, is he enough for us? Is God enough? See, are we, are we also, as the world is, moved by the instability of the world's institutions? 
See, I believe that God is grieved when his people, Christians, those of us who, are, who are, have accepted Christ, I believe it grieves God when we, when we operate with fear and anxiety. I believe, I believe God is extremely, because you know what that is? That's telling God, you know what, God, I don't trust you. You're not enough for me. You've done all these wonderful things for me. I read your word, all the things that you've done, but you know what? You're just not enough for me. God, I believe that grieves, that grieves God. The Bible says in Psalms 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Just let that soak in. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And today I'm starting a series. I don't know how long it's going to last, but it's called The Lord is My Shepherd. And I believe God really wants that passage to sink into us. Another translation here, and I think this explains it better, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. David wrote this psalm, and, and look, look how David began the psalm, Psalms 23. He said, he, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. In other words, it didn't matter what David was facing, what David was going through, David understood that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I, ha I have all that I need. See, David was declaring that the Lord was his shepherd. So God is asking us, who, who is your shepherd? Who, who is your shepherd? Not my shepherd, not your neighbor's shepherd, not your spouse's shepherd. Who is your shepherd? Are you depending on the government? Are you depending on your bank account? Your 401k? Maybe your spouse? Maybe other family members? Think Things in the world? See, David was expressing this one truth, that God alone is my source, period. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I love that. What a, to me, that signifies that David came to a place where he was, at, he was at rest. He was at a place with God that there was a peace that God had, a place of contentment, a peace that God had given him that, you know what? It didn't matter what David was facing, God was enough for him. And that's what I believe God is asking for us in his church to get to that same place that David was. See, is the Lord enough for you? Is God enough? If all you had is Jesus, would that be enough for you? That's a tough question for us to answer in today's society. Even as a believer, that's extremely difficult for us to answer. See, God, I believe, is taking us or wants to take his church back to a place and understanding where all we do is depend on him. Nothing else. Not my abilities, not my gifts, not my talents, not how much money I can earn, not how much money is in my bank account, not what my retirement is going to look like in 10 years, not, not how much houses, all those different things. God, I believe, wants to take his church back to the simple understanding that God is all we need. And I believe God will allow things to happen in the world and in our lives personally to get us to that place. Because God is all, we, is all we need. But he wants you and I to recognize and understand that he is all we need. And God, I believe, will take us to that place. See, we have attached so many things to God that we have become more dependent on the things than the Lord. We, we trust in things more than we do God. In him is our source for everything that we, that we, that we will need now or we will ever need. See, we can become proud in what we can do. Even as Christians, you and I, we can become proud. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I've earned. Look what I've learned. Or all the different things that we can do. And, and, and we, we, can, we, can, we can boast in what we think that we have done. 
But God wants to take us to a place where our complete dependence is on him. See, the Bible says that God is a jealous God. God doesn't want to share his glory with anybody else. Not with you, not with a leader, a parent, no, no one. God wants all the glory because he deserves all the glory. And in him is the fullness of everything, the Bible says. So when I am thinking about our uh, looking at ourselves or, or trying to, to, to look at ourselves at what we have done and what we have accomplished, I was reminded of, of a king in the Old Testament, King Nebuchadnezzar, and y'all might remember him in the, in the book of Daniel in the Bible. Remember Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and, and uh, Daniel came and, inter and interpreted the dream for him and Daniel said, oh king, I wish that the dream that you dreamed was for your enemies, but I hate to tell you this, the dream was about you. And it was what it basically was, was God was telling Nebuchadnezzar is you're prideful. You've done all, all these things that you've done and all these things that you've accomplished, you have taken all the glory for that. And, and, and then the dream was about what God was going to do to teach him this, and that's not what I'm going to preach about. But in Daniel chapter 4, it says all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar, just as the dream had said. It said 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? See, who was getting all the glory there? Nebuchadnezzar was. He was not, he was not recognizing that everything that he had was of God. Everything that he had accomplished, he had, he had just, everything that he had was, was because of God. But the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar was driven away, and if you read, he was like an animal. He was literally living in the wilderness. He was eating, he was eating grass like cattle. The Bible says he was growing uh, hair and feathers on his body like an animal. And the Bible says that God did this to humble him, that he would confess that there was no God but the Lord. And if you read the story, he did. And when, when, uh, when Nebuchadnezzar came to his senses, he acknowledged and he confessed, and he said his dominion is an eternal dominion, his kingdom endures from generation to generation. I'd rather confess that now, wouldn't you? I don't want God to take me and have to humble me and have to teach me those things. Let's just confess now that God, God is eternal, that his dominion is, is, is eternal. So um, Jehovah, Jehovah is our God. And in this series, I, I want us to see the Lord Jehovah. And if you read the Old Testament, the, the, the word translated Lord in Hebrew is Jehovah. That, that was Jehovah. So if you see the word Lord in, in the Old Testament, it was the word Jehovah. There's other Yahweh and other, other ways it was written or pronounced. But, but the translation that we give it um, for Hebrew from the English word Lord is Jehovah. That, that's the word that, that was written. So when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, David was saying, Jehovah is my shepherd. Jehovah, the God that is above every God, the, the name that is above every name. There's no... There's no higher name. And um, so, but when the Lord showed himself to, to, to his people in the Old Testament, um, a lot of times when God would do something for them, they would take what it was that God did for them and they would give it a name. They, they would name the, the event or the place or whatever. They would give it a name. And it was a compound name describing who God was. It was, a, it was given God and themselves and us a deeper understanding, a meaning of who God who God really was. And um, in the Old Testament, the story of Abraham, um, and, and if y'all remember the story of Abraham, remember God had promised him a son, that, that him and Sarah was going to bear a son at their old age. God's promise came true. He had, he, he had his son Isaac, 
his, 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 only, his son Isaac. And what did the Lord ask Abraham to do? He said to take your son and go up to Mount Moriah. I want you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham was obedient. He, he, did, he did what it was that God had asked him to do. And he, he, he believed that God was going was gonna to make a way for him, that, that, if, that if Isaac was killed, that God would resurrect him from the dead. Abraham believed these things. Um, but look what happened here in Genesis 22. This is that he brought him up. He had Isaac on the altar. The Bible says that, that the knife was raised. Abraham had the knife in his hand, and he was fixing to kill and for all practical purposes, I believe in Abraham's heart, Isaac was dead. He had already accepted that Isaac was going to be killed. Then it says, Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So today's message in the series, I, I've entitled Jehovah Jireh, The Lord Will Provide. And um, that's the translation of that there in Hebrew where it says the Lord, the, the Lord will provide, the Lord Jehovah provide, translated in Hebrew as Jireh, the Lord, the Lord Jehovah Jireh, my provider. That, that's what Abraham was saying. So um, Abraham understood, I believe for the first time, that Jehovah was his provider. That the, that the Lord, that God was his source, that God was his provider. And, I, and that, that's God's message for his church in these uncertain days. And look, it doesn't matter if everything in the world was going great and everybody in this room had a million dollars in their bank account. He is still Jehovah Jireh. He, he's still your provider. He's still your source. It, it doesn't matter whether, whether you have a lot or you're in need. God is still Jehovah Jireh. So that, that's God's word to his church. I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. That's God's message to you personally today. This, this word Jireh, and many of us associate it with, with the word provide, but that is really only part of the meaning of the Hebrew word. The word in Hebrew also means see to it, or the God, the God who sees. Um, so that Hebrew word can also mean perceive and experience. So what Abraham when Abraham calls God Jehovah Jireh, he isn't just saying God gives the goods. He is saying, you see, experience all this need of mine and make provision for it. In other words, it was personal. So get this now. God is not just Jehovah Jireh, like in a large sense for the world, and God is like the world's provider, which he is. The word Jireh is a personal, it's, it's a personal meaning in the way God is your provider. God sees your need. And Abraham's need at the time may not have been my need at the time. Abraham needed a lamb. He needed a ram. He needed something that was a substitute so he would not have to sacrifice his son Isaac. God provided for Abraham what Abraham needed right then. I'm here to tell you, God will provide for you what you need right now. God, God, it's, a, it's a personal connection. Jehovah Jireh, and see, Abraham understood this because he understood Hebrew. He, he was speaking the language. So when he said Jireh, Abraham was saying, God sees me, me, not, not the world, not the nation of Israel. God sees me, and God will provide for me, and God has done that. So I'm here to tell you today that whatever it is you're facing, God sees you, that Jehovah Jireh sees your need, and God is more. He is more than able to provide for whatever it is 
that you are, that you are facing today. See, we are complete in Jehovah. We, we are complete in Jireh. That, that, that's what I am trying to communicate, not only in this message today, but in this series, that, that Jehovah is enough for us. That Jehovah is all we need. That see, when that name was spoken in Hebrew, that was like the greatest, the, the, the greatest name you could speak, the highest name you could give to any God was the Lord Jehovah. That's the God we serve. Paul said in Philippians, he says, at the, moment, at the moment I have all I need, and more I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Aphrodite's. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Paul said in Philippians, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now, this is just a side note, but guess what Paul wrote that? Paul was in prison. He's saying that in prison. We, we, could, we could be living in a palace with 10 bedrooms and 20 bathrooms, and I don't think we could say that. I have all I need. Paul is writing that from a prison cell, not, not, a, not a jail cell that probably looks like the jails we have today. Paul was in prison, and he said he was thanking those who had sent the gifts. The church was probably sending Paul gifts because he was in prison. And Paul was saying, you know what? I have all I need. Now, how could Paul say that in prison? He had Jehovah. He had Jesus Christ. He had the Lord Almighty on his side. He had, he had all that he needs. See, he was complete. He was dependent on God. So <clears throat> many of us only associate God's provision with physical needs, and that, that's really only part of it. But God and Jehovah, God is everything. God, Jesus gives us everything. In him, the Bible says, is life. Apart from Christ, the Bible says there is no life. Everything is found in Jehovah. So he meets our physical needs, our emotional needs, and our spiritual needs. So you might be here today and you might say, well, my physical needs are good, but I've I got some emotional things I'm dealing with. Jehovah Jireh is here for you. Might be some, some, some spiritual needs you hear, but God, God, God is Jehovah for you. God will meet your needs. So Jesus met all three of those needs in the Bible. He we, we know in the, in the Gospels, he fed, he fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. That was physical. That, in other words, and that was nothing for God. The disciples were freaking out. They were like, Jesus was like, like the, 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 was, the disciples were like, send these people home and tell them to go into the village and go buy food. And Jesus was like, you give them food. And the disciples were like, well, what are you talking about? I don't know. It was, was 5,000, I think, men was one of the stories. So that means that was just men. There was women and children that would have been present. So it was more than 5,000. And Jesus, now remember, they don't understand that Jesus is God. That, that's Jehovah right there walking with them. And Jesus is looking at this and he's like, I don't care if this was 30 trillion people standing right here. I could feed every one of them if I wanted to. He was Jehovah. He provided for them. And we know God, what Jesus did, he multiplied the, the five loaves and the two fish, and there was some left over, the Bible says. Then Jesus provided emotional healing for the, for the demon-possessed man. Remember the demon-possessed man? Jesus asked him, what is your name? And what did, what did the uh, demon tell him? My name is Legion, for we are many. And the Bible says Jesus looked at him and he took authority over that demonic spirit. And the Bible says that Jesus called the demonic out, the, demon, the demonic spirit out of that man. The Bible says he came to his senses. The man was sitting, fully dressed, fully clothed, in his right mind. 
Everybody, they, they, they were standing around, they couldn't believe it. The man was healed emotionally. That was mental torment that he was, that he was experiencing. Jesus healed him. And then we know when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was, he was crucified on the cross, and what did Jesus do? He saved the thief on the cross. While he was nailed to the cross, he is pouring out salvation. That's spiritual healing. So every need that you have is found in Jesus. So Jesus is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's, he's, he's everything for us. He's the fullness. He's the complete picture of everything that God has for us. So Romans 8.32, it says, he, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? In other words, what the Bible is saying is, if God is willing to allow his only son to die for us, and not just to die, but to suffer for us. If, if God is willing to give his son to us, how much more will he not give you anything else you need? Do you understand that? that the God, God, God has already given us the best that he could possibly give us. There's, there's nothing else that we could ask that God cannot provide for us. But God wants us to acknowledge that he is our provider. So the first thing I want us to look at here is you must acknowledge and confess that Jehovah is Lord, that you have to acknowledge that Jesus is your source, that, that Jesus is king. And as I was preparing this, this message, I looked back on my wife and I's uh, life as, you know, when we got married, and, and um, I, I can tell you as a family and as a couple, we sought with everything that we did in our life to put God first. We weren't perfect, didn't always get it right, but we made a decision as a family and as a, as a couple that God was going to be first in our lives, that, that we were going to honor God in every, in every area of our lives, in our marriage and in our family. And um, so from the day that we got married, we made a decision that God was going to be first. And sometimes that required rearranging our work schedules, maybe rearranging some of our expectations or our dreams and our hopes that, you know, maybe there could have been opportunities for me to advance or to, to move up to other positions in my job, but I knew if I did that, that might take away from the time that I was serving in the church or doing life groups or whatever it was that I was doing, so I'd back away from that. And Lori was working as a nurse, and she was always well fortunate. Her schedule was flexible, so we could always schedule her time in advance to make sure that it never interfered with what we were doing with church. And like I said, we weren't perfect, but we made a decision that is for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So it was that, that, that's, a, that's a decision that we made. So our family, our money, our children, our vocation, our jobs, all of those things came first. Jesus said in Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's not just a scripture we hang on the wall. That's a scripture we have sought to put in practice. We, we have honestly sought to put that into practice, and we we seek to put God first in our time and in the, the time that we invest in, in our schedule and the things that we have in our, in our lives as a family or as a couple. We always sought to put the time for God first. In our finances, that was always first. And I'm, I am so thankful that God sent me a wife. And Brother Anthony says this for people who are looking for a spouse. Look for a spouse that's going to walk next to you. Someone that's going to walk right beside you. And I, I had never heard, Brother, I didn't even know Brother Anthony when I met Lori, but that's exactly what God did for me. 
Lori was somebody, she was walking right beside me. Didn't have to tug her. She didn't have to tug me. God had us in like and had us in like-minded spirits, and we there was no debate, there was no struggle with that. As, as soon as we looked at the income and what it was that we were making, we automatically knew we're going to tithe. That, that that's that's what we did, and and so we we put that first, and then we were first in um in our allegiance to Him personally. We we always sought to surrender ourselves to the control of the Holy Spirit and to, and surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. So I often say this to believers. Put God first. Like, like no matter what it is that you're looking for, you need, or you have, I, put God first. And I'm telling you, all that you have need of, God will provide for you. I, 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 can, I can tell you that. I can stand on that promise today because I have experienced it myself. Now, I always follow up with this when I say that. Don't ask me how it's going to happen because I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how God's going to do it. And I don't know how he does it or how it works. All I know is this. It works. Seek ye first. It's so simple. It's so profound. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, put God first. And Jesus said all these other things that you struggle with, that, you, that you're concerned about, you worry about, all these things shall be given to you. That's what God says. That's the promise of God. And we, we've, we've experienced that in our lives. Um, I can look back at my job history, and thank you, Jesus, I never had a lot of jobs. I started working at an electrical supply house in Chalmette when I was like 14 years old. Um, worked there for like 10 years, and the, the guy had a contract in business that was alongside the supply house. He was getting ready to cl close up the uh, supply house shop, so I had to go do something I've never done before. I had to go look for a job. I, I never did it before. I was 14. I was able to get that job first. And there was a, one of the people that we, had, we would make deliveries to in uh, Mattery, and I was going with the work van, and I was making a delivery, and the, the, old, the older guy in the company's name was Mr. Levine. He was outside, and it was just a coincidence. He was the owner of the place where I was picking up the material, and he really shouldn't. He was outside. He was in the warehouse of what he was doing, and he knew me because we talked sometimes on the phone, and we just got to talking, and I think he must have heard that I was either looking for a job or we were fixing the clothes, and he goes, I have a job for you. So that was like, like, that was a divine appointment. Like that wasn't, I didn't even go pursue him. I didn't go sign an app, fill out an, or an application or anything. He just says, I'm looking for someone. So I got to work with him. I worked there for a year and I called that my boot camp because it was, it was a horrible experience. He was extremely difficult to work for. But that job get, was like a step that God used to take me to another job. And when I was at the job working for Mr. Levine, one of the other guys in the office, another opening came up at another place and his name was Billy, and Billy, he said, I'm going to go and interview for this job. I said, okay, Billy, that's fine. So he came back, and he said, you know what, I'm not taking a job. And I said, well, what about me? I'll put that job, because I was looking for a way to get out of there. I wanted to leave. So he says, I don't know. I guess, he goes, I guess just give him a call and see. So sure enough, I, I called him up. They interviewed with me, and I got the job. Worked there 10 years, and that thing kind of kind of was looking like it was you know, going to be ending or it wasn't really turned out the way it needed to be. And God moved me on to another job, which was the job I had previously before I became the pastor, which I worked for almost 16, uh, almost 17 years. And um, But I'm just telling you, God's hand was in every step of the way. And it was not, it never felt like I was uh, anxious or worried or whatever. I mean, I, I was, but, but, in this, but God just, he just, he just, he just, made, he just made those things happen. And like I said, I'm not perfect. Believe me, I'm not. I'm far from perfect. But I have made it my point as a believer to put God first. 
as much as God's Holy Spirit has trained me and taught me and allowed me to surrender my life and my will to him. So I'm just telling you that, not, not to condemn you or judge you if that's not where you're at, but just make that your, your humble prayer. And see, Jesus, he doesn't ask us to do anything we can't do. We, we all qualify. That's what I love about Christianity. Everybody qualifies. It's not like, well, some people qualify and some people don't. No, we all qualify. Even the people that, like me that really don't, that I have a hard time figuring things out sometimes. I don't, I don't understand things. But that I can understand. Seek first. That made sense to me. So I'm just telling you, just, just, just to seek, to put, to put God first. And I'm telling you, my wife and I are living testimonies. It works. It, 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 it has worked every time. So I don't know what it is that you need today, but I believe God is telling you to put, to put him first. The next thing is in Matthew 6, 25, it says, therefore I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, do not worry about your life. So the next thing we need to look at is do not worry about what you need. Now, some of you in here is like, well, that sounds good, but I just can't help myself. <laughs> I'm, I, I, cannot, I cannot stop worrying. Well, Jesus said, this is what Jesus said. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, that doesn't look like a suggestion to me. That looks like a commandment. We're commanded. He says, do, do not worry. He, he is telling us to do not worry. So how could Jesus be so bold and so confident? Because he's God. In other words, he understands that, that, that he can provide anything that we have need of, that does nothing for us, does nothing for us to worry about. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that everything of the earth, everything that is seen and unseen is God's. All the wealth of the world, all the financial institutions, all the, 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 the properties, everything is God's. God, God owns everything. Jehovah has resources that will never run dry. See, when you go to Jehovah, you're tapping into a resource that will, that's an unending resource. That resource will never run dry. So look what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, that do not labor or spend, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, Jesus is saying, what are you worried about? That God, God sees the needs that you have. And Jesus gave the beautiful analogy of God taking care of all of the animals in the world. And, and you think about the birds and think about all the animals in the world. They don't, they don't have jobs. They don't set an alarm clock and wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and say, i got to go to work today. i got to go put money in my bank account. i got to go make a withdrawal from my checking account. The birds don't do that. The Bible says the birds are, the birds are out there. Guess what? God provides for them. God, God provides for How much more will God not provide for us? And Jesus is telling us, what, what are you worried about? So I'm here to tell you, you've got to find a place. Remember now, I'm talking to the church. The, the world will have a difficult time understanding this because they are not in Christ. They have not trusted in Jehovah. 
but we have said that we have confessed Jesus as Lord. We have placed our faith and our trust in Jehovah. So I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to the church today, and God is telling us that, that, that our trust is in Jehovah, so therefore do not worry. What, what are you concerned about? What is it that you need that God can't provide for you? There's not anything that you have need of right now that God cannot provide for you. And Jesus gave the perfect analogy, what one of you can add a single hour to your life by worrying? What, what, what is it accomplished to worry? Whether you worry or you don't, guess what? And I, I, hate, to, I hate to give you this. It, it will never change the outcome of your situation. But we wear it as a badge of honor. We pat ourselves on the back and we say, yes, I did something. I worried. <laughs> guess what? You, you, you were anxious. You were uptight. You were probably, you lashed out at somebody. You, you, it didn't, it was no benefit. There's no benefit to that. Don't worry. Trust Jesus. God's got this. Jehovah's got this. See, God is bigger than food. He's bigger than clothes. God's feeding thousands upon millions of animals and birds on the earth. They're being provided for. How much more will God not, not take care of us? See, when we worry, and this will sound harsh, but a lot of times when we worry about something, really what we're doing is we're telling God, God, I don't really think you got this one. <laughs> Like, I know you're big and everything, and you created the world, and the world is suspended in midair, and there's a universe, and there's stars, and there's planets, but you know what? I don't think you got this one. That grieves God. I really believe with all my heart God is grieved, because that's us telling God, God, you're not enough. When God is like, I'm more than enough. All I need you to do is just trust in me. Just trust, it, just trust in me, God says. See, we need to come to a place in our walk with Jesus that he can and he will supply all our needs. See, when you look at Je Jesus, or the Lord as Jehovah Jireh, it's almost like it's one of these things you don't really have to explain how God does this Jehovah Jireh as much as you have to declare and say and accept he is Jehovah Jireh. Does that make sense? I, I tried to reconcile this when I was studying for this. It's like I, can ex we I don't think God really wants, and I don't think it's anywhere in Scripture where he really wants us to explain how he is Jehovah Jireh as much as he wants us to stand on the fact that he is. He is Jehovah Jireh. That, that's who God is. That, that's my trust. That's the firm foundation that I've, that, I've, that I've placed in. So the next thing here is in Proverbs chapter 3. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the, in the Bible. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. See, the bottom line is you've got to put your trust in the Lord. You just you, you tr uh, put your trust in God. And this is what the Bible says. Don't lean on your own understanding. The, the things that, you, that some of y'all are facing this morning, you are trying to reason in your mind how this is going to be fixed. You are trying to reason how this is going to work out. And even if God's in the equation, you are trying to figure out or tell God how God needs to work your problem out. Well, I'm here to tell you, God's never going to work it out the way you think he will. He'll work it out, but it's not going to be nowhere near like he thought he was going to do it. And thank you, Jesus, he does it because his way is a lot better than mine. All he wants us to do is trust him. Just a childlike faith, the Bible says, where we just trust, we just trust who, trust who he is. That God, I, that, that I can trust you. 
See, how do I demonstrate my trust? By obedience. But what did James say? Faith without works is dead. You say you have faith, but you have no works. And James said, well, I'll show you my faith by my works. You, trust is obedience. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey God. Well, what is, what is part of the obedience? The Bible says be anxious for nothing, but in everything. With prayer and supplication, with prayer and, and thanksgiving, make your petitions, make your requests be made known unto God. And then what's the promise? And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, that sounds good. That's a great sounding verse. But that verse really wasn't meant to be sounding good. It was meant to be applied, like to, to do what it says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Make your request for me known unto God. And then what God, what's the promise? The peace of God. See, Paul had to have that peace. He's in a prison cell. He's in a prison cell. And he's telling the believers that sent the gifts, I have all I need. Well, I can think of something you don't have. You ain't free. I have all I need. He, he was at a place of rest. There was a, we need to get there, church. That's what God is speaking to us. To climb out of the world and quit looking at the gas pump and the grocery prices and the mortgage interest rate and your, your Clico bill and all these other different things and trust God. He's Jehovah. He, 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 he's got this. God's got your situation. Amen.